Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 26. On this Wednesday, October 23rd, in between weeks 8 and 9 of college football, the Alabama Crimson Tide is now 7-0 after a 35-13 win over Tennessee this past weekend. We're going to break that down here on the Galloway Podcast shortly. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, I'm glad you're listening. There's a lot going on in the world of college football. I'm your host, William Galloway, and today... Rodney Orr and I are going to take you through Alabama football, talk about what's going on, where we are, what's up with Tua's ankle, because that is the headline news we're going to be talking about today, Tua Tungabailoa's ankle. Not the same one as last season. We'll talk about the lights as well, but Tua's ankle is injured, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. We're going to get there shortly with Rodney Orr. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Tennessee. We're going to talk about Arkansas and also the looming LSU game, which is a 2.30 kickoff. This is the Galloway Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm fired up for this episode, and I hope you are as well. We've got a lot for you, so let's go ahead. Let's get started. Congratulations. First of all, to our college football Week 8 score prediction winner from Twitter, Rob Grady, called the Alabama-Tennessee game, uh, predicted it close to correctly. He had Alabama 45-13. to He was the closest. Uh, of course, the Crimson Tide won 35-13 over the Volunteers of Tennessee. I'll tell you what, if, folks, if you were at that game Saturday night, it was electric. The light show was fantastic. It was so much fun. Incredible environment. Honestly, one of the best college football environments I think I've ever seen, uh, ever been a part, definitely ever been a part of. It, it, it goes up there with me as uh, you look at the Missouri game from last season when we brought back Dixieland a lot. You look at this past weekend versus Tennessee breaking out the lights. I mean, it was something else. It was something to behold. If you're an Alabama fan and you don't if you haven't been to the games, if you can get a ticket versus Arkansas this weekend, um, I would highly recommend it because we know LSU is going to be a 2:30 game. We know that that Week 11 matchup against Western Carolina will more than likely be an 11 a.m. kickoff. And so the point of emphasis here is that if you can get to Tuscaloosa this weekend, do it. The light show is well worth the price of admission, as is the entire Alabama football team. Ty Perrine, the Kicker is well worth the price of admission as well. The punter, uh, walk-on punter this past weekend made, uh, he almost shined brighter than the lights. I'll tell you what, I mean, he had a 50-plus yard punt. He made a tackle on that punt. He had another very impressive punt. I think it was somewhere in the ballpark of 40, 45 yards. Uh, but Alabama's punting game is uh, is back on track where it needs to be. Uh, Ty Perrine did not disappoint. And a lot of people had been calling his name all season long from calling for him to play and uh, he got his chance and he made the best of it we'll talk about him with Rodney Orr coming up on the podcast and we'll talk about Alabama football as well all different aspects we're going to break down after the conversation with Rodney uh, Twitter questions from different topics and uh, thoughts of interest from the Twitter world and and things that people have been asking on there we'll talk about Alabama basketball and uh, episode 26 of the Galloway podcast is we are rolling and uh, glad you're listening, whether it's Apple Podcast, uh, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Give us a follow on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. And now we're going to kick it to Rodney Orr on the Galloway Podcast. Rodney Orr joining the Galloway Podcast, one of the founders of Tider Insider. Rodney, good morning. How are you? Doing well, William. How are you? 
I am great. Still, uh, still coughing up a little bit from the uh, cigar smoke I was surrounded by in the student section this past weekend, but. Alabama rolled to their 13th straight victory over Tennessee this past weekend and uh, wanted to get some of your thoughts on uh, the victory. Obviously, it came at a price of Tua's ankle. Uh, and there was a lot of takeaways from that game, but wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Alabama's 35-13 win over Tennessee this weekend. Well, the first thing I would say is that Tennessee certainly looked like to be, looked to be an improved team. Uh, you know, We kind of saw that against Georgia a few weeks ago, and then we certainly saw it against Mississippi State when Tennessee beat them there in Knoxville 20-10. to 10. And, you know, you wondered if it might carry over and you see progress against Alabama, and I thought you did, you know, from a tennis that's strictly obviously from a Tennessee perspective, uh, if you look at it that way. And then, uh, but I thought at the same time uh, that Alabama, the offensive line, continues to show progress. I thought they ran the football, uh, especially when they needed to and wanted to, uh, I thought they did that very well. So I think that interior part of the offensive line with uh, now settling in with Dickerson at center and with uh, uh, Deontay Brown at right guard certainly is, is a good duo there. And I thought moving Chris uh, uh, utilizing him now as the blocking tight end was really big as well. So I thought that was a positive for Alabama. I thought Mac Jones uh, stepped in admirably for Tua. I know a lot of people maybe questioned him, but I thought he made some nice throws. You have to remember now, when a guy steps into a situation like that, uh, it's very difficult. First of all, he has limited experience. Uh, He's never really played in a meaningful snap. He did last year, as you remember, Tua had to go out for one play against LSU, but that was it. Otherwise, you know, Mac Jones had no... Uh, non-garbage time, if you want to refer to it that way, right. experience. So I thought he did a really good job as well. He did a great job, and uh, you, you mentioned the offensive line kind of gelling, and I think when you look at this Alabama team, there's been constant improvement every week and just about every area um, of the game, and obviously the offensive line has been a focal point this season. You and I have talked about it before, um, but I think Alabama, like you said, has kind of found its mix, kind of found its its mojo, its rotation, the guys that it wants um, up front. The, obviously, as you said, the running back game, um, the running back the running game in general has has picked up. Obviously, we know what these wide receivers can do. Um, and I think going forward, Alabama will have a, a great game plan for Mac Jones. The offense will be ready. I don't think there's a whole lot of concern about that. Uh, but going back to the improvement, obviously one area of um, – improvement was a kicking game this weekend when you look at Ty Pirine um, coming off the bench as a walk-on punter what were your thoughts on Ty and kind of the impact that he made so quickly well I thought that that was uh, one of the right spots certainly as you mentioned it uh, you know they've struggled there Scholar DeLong has struggled Will Riker tried to punt there early and seems like he re-injured himself and will be out a while now so that's obviously not good. But Ty P. Ryan stepped in, had a, what, a 42-yarder, I think it was, and a 50, what, 51, 52-yarder. Yeah, right in there, 51, 52. Yeah, yeah. So he did a nice job, got great hang time. One thing I really liked about him was a couple of things. Number one, you could just kind of sense that he's confident in what he was doing. He wasn't intimidated. One time he was backed up you know, at the goal line and got off a nice punt, so I thought that was a promising sign and also thought that how quickly he gets the ball off. 
there's uh, I, I thought Skylar DeLong, uh, one of his things that really caught my attention was he, he seemed to be slow getting the ball off at times. I think Ty P. Ryan showed that he gets it off in a step and a half and really booms it. So I thought that was a positive. It was he was fun to watch, especially when he went down and made that tackle after that booming punt. Um, the student section, I remember, just erupted, uh, and we were very elated to see uh, an Alabama kicker have some success, something we haven't seen in recent years. Uh, but Rodney, when, let's go ahead and talk about this Tua situation with the ankle. Obviously, it's a surgery he's had before on his other ankle. Um, it's a situation going forward. There are a lot of question marks on his return time. When you look at um, the day of his surgery to the LSU game, there's 21 days. When you look at the day of his surgery last year after the game in the SEC championship against Georgia until Oklahoma, there were 29 days. And you could tell he still, I mean, he was healthy, but he wasn't the same. Um, what What is your, your timetable for Tua? Obviously, no one knows exactly, but what are your expectations for when he's going to return um, and also how this offense is going to be different under, under Mac Jones this week against Arkansas? Well, first of all, you know, Tua – Last year, in his return from that injury, was 24, what, 24, 27, 24, 28, four touchdowns. So he, he was fine when he came in against Oklahoma and played extremely well in the playoff game, the Orange Bowl. Uh, that was that was big. Uh, I think that he's, uh, every situation in terms of the injury itself is different. Uh, not really sure how you would pair this one to the one last year. It's just it did something that we just don't know. Uh, you've heard a lot of speculation that it may be a little worse. Some people say it may be a little not as significant. But regardless, I think he's already ahead of pace from what I hear on his rehab. It's going extremely well. I know that they're optimistic that he'll be back for LSU. Will he be 100%? I mean, I, I don't know how that could be answered right now. Uh, but let's be honest, he wasn't 100% last year when he played against LSU. He right. was struggling with some, some knee issues with the knee, yeah. and, some, and some other things that were bothering him. So uh, he wasn't even 100% last year. You remember how he kind of limped through that 45-yard, 44-yard touchdown run. Right. Uh, so uh, I think, listen, I think he, he'll probably be as close to 100% as at least he was then, hopefully, if everything goes well. And if that's the case then I expect two to play against LSU. Yeah, absolutely. I've got uh, I've got Jeff no- Jeff Allen's Twitter notifications on in case we get to see any any uh, video progress or picture progress or something. Obviously, he's in he's in peak physical condition, um, and we know his work ethic. He's going to be working to to get that back. When you look at Mac Jones, though, a guy that was I think his numbers this weekend he was six for 11, 72 yards. He had some drops. I mean, just coming in cold, he wasn't wasn't ready to play. Um, but when you look at, at, at Steve Sarkeesian and, and the game plans he's drawn up for Tua, I mean, there's there should be very little reason for concern. Arkansas is a team that's two and five. They've lost their last four. They're zero and four in conference play. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian is going to draw up a game plan that works for Mac Jones. And so, would you address kind of the the question marks that Alabama fans have about Mac Jones and, and why there should be complete trust in in the program and and um, even if two is not ready to go for LSU, obviously that's a long way off and that's a little bit of speculation, but Alabama should be okay because of the skill position players they have on offense because the offensive line they have and the, and the way the defense is playing right now. Well, I think certainly the progress of the offensive line and the running game would be very helpful to any quarterback, especially a quarterback in, in Mac Jones' 
situation. Um, because when you can rely on that running game, it certainly makes you less predictable in terms of the passing. So it takes the pressure off of that. So I really think that in that regard, the progress made by the running game is, is, would be very beneficial in this game against Arkansas for Mac Jones. But at the same time, you mentioned his stats. What you say, six of eleven for seventy-two yards? Right. Okay. Well, think about this. He had a he had a drop by Major Tennyson that should have that would have been a first down. Right. He had a drop by Najee Harris that could have probably been a what a fifty-five plus yard touchdown. Uh, so that was big. Maybe I think he threw ball, one at, sure. at at Judy's ankles. It was just well, coming in cold well, the one, and the one the, there was another one to Judy that he threw a slant that had the Tennessee linebacker not bumped Judy off his route. That might have gone for a big play as well. It was a well thrown ball. So I'm thinking there's three three throws there that were very close. Two that were clear drops, and one that probably even should have been a pass interference. To be honest with. You. Yeah. So, uh, I thought he played really well given the circumstances. And he showed that he could make some throws, made a really good throw to Devontae Smith. Uh, if you remember, Devontae took a big hit on the play, but I think his timing will be better this week probably because it's the opportunity to get a lot of reps with the ones. I would expect that his timing to be better in the passing game. And listen, I think he's capable enough to, to help an Alabama win this game. I didn't see anything out there the other night that really alarmed me, given a guy for that much in terms of that lack of experience in that situation. Right. Yeah, and, and, and again, Arkansas doesn't present a huge challenge as an SEC opponent, and as we know, Coach Saban's going to prepare accurately and, and thoroughly for an SEC team um, and, and respect his opponent, of course, but it's, it's going to be good. Uh, I'd, I'd say to kind of get his feet wet. Obviously, he's got some experience, but no big game, meaningful experience, as you talked about earlier. Um, and if the case just so happens to be that he needs to play against LSU, this experience he gets this week against Arkansas is going to be is going to be huge for him. Oh, absolutely, it would be. And again, I'm speculating ahead, I have no idea, you know what 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 lies ahead with LSU in that regard, but. You know, again, I mean, yeah, you just have to do whatever whatever it is. Um, you know, we'll have to kind of – that'll have to be evaluated and, you know, Coach Saban to make that determination. But uh, I do think that the experience he got in this game against Tennessee will really be helpful for him, helpful for him this in this game against Arkansas. And I think that uh, as you look forward, if he had to play, all of this will be helpful for him uh, in any other opportunities that he – Yes. Right. And Rodney, last question before we go. Want to talk about uh, LSU just a little bit. Um, when you look at the rankings, Al- Alabama won LSU two. Does does LSU jump Alabama if they beat Auburn this weekend? And uh, I want your thoughts on the two thirty kickoff time as well. Well, I hope they do. I mean, if, if Alabama wins and LSU wins and they beat Auburn in Baton Rouge, hopefully they will jump Alabama. I think that would probably be. I'd like to see how that worked out it's not anything that i mean because i really don't think that that number one thing means a lot right now right uh but uh, you would like to see well how how might lsu handle that if they if they come in number one you know so that could be interesting but uh neither here nor there um as far as the 230 start for the lsu game is that what you asked yes i mean 
you know, I, I think that that's good. I, I just soon play them at 2.30. Um, and I know it's been a night game a lot of times, and um, I really don't have an issue with it being a 2.30 game at all. No, I mean, it's it's obviously there's contract obligations and stuff like that, and there's uncertainty, you know, whether – game day comes or ESPN wants to buy it there's there's all those issues but the reality is of it that Raekwon Davis said earlier in the year it, you know it doesn't matter what time we play we're just talking about the 11 o'clock games against the non-power five schools like it you know Alabama's going to show up and Alabama's going to be Alabama uh, and it doesn't matter who they're playing it doesn't matter they could be playing at 8 a.m they could be playing at 8 p.m and uh for to the players I think yeah the atmosphere you know it, it, it fuels the fire a little bit but they're going to be ready they're going to uh, come to play, and, and if the fans want to whine and complain about it, they can go ahead and complain all they want, but at the end of the day, it's not their call. Well, the bottom line is the game will be played at 2.30, whether anyone likes it or doesn't. So the main thing is that you know Alabama's ready, and uh, they're ready to play at 2.30 on Saturday, November the 9th, and hopefully yeah. that's the case. And that, that is, you know, again, it's two two and a half, three weeks off, um, and so Alabama can, you know, Look, look forward to playing a 6 p.m. game against Arkansas this weekend and then and then go from there. Students can enjoy their fall break and, and go from there. So, Rodney, thank you so much. Hey, William, I appreciate it as always. Rodney Orr of Tighter Insider on the Galloway Podcast. Always good to talk to him, get his thoughts on the game. Tweet me at WM underscore Galloway and let me know what you thought of the conversation with Rodney, what he had to say, some of the points that I kind of chipped in there. You can definitely follow Rodney on uh, Tider Insider. That's on Twitter at Tider Insider. And if you're not a Tider Insider subscriber, you should do that as well. Read up on his stuff and uh, his coverage of the Crimson Tide. couple last thoughts on this football game that we had against Tennessee. Um, one thing we really didn't address was the interception that Tua threw against Tennessee. It was thrown into coverage, and there's a DB hiding in the end zone. Um, but not a great throw. Should have thrown the ball away, but hindsight is twenty twenty. So when you look at that, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and complain that Tua threw an interception. Like, there's bigger things that happen in that game that Alabama has to worry about, i.e. his injury. So really not going to harp on that interception for too long. That did happen, and it is what it is. But other than that, I mean, Tua was 11 for 12, 155 yards before he went down in that second quarter, uh, Alabama. Tennessee, honestly, I think gave Alabama one of the toughest games all year to date, of course. I mean, obviously there's plenty of challenges ahead, such as the upcoming uh, game against LSU. But I think... Tennessee played a complete game, and I I was talking to, I don't remember who it was, but surely Tennessee had been preparing for Alabama at least one day a week the entire season because Tennessee came out ready to play. Jeremy Pruitt had a game plan, and the sloppiest part of the game to me was obviously the penalties. There were 21 penalties. Tennessee had 13. Alabama had 8. Both teams were penalized for 93 yards throughout the course of the game. And... um, the thing we didn't talk about as much with Rodney, Alabama's defense, Terrell Lewis coming up with two huge sacks. I mean, absolutely. He now leads the SEC in sacks with six. Um, I think it's four in the last two games. I could be wrong, but Terrell Lewis was playing at a high level. Trayvon Diggs also playing at an elite level um, just in his DB coverage and also that huge scoop and score. Um 
going from end zone to end zone after Garantano really uh, really messed up there for the Vols, losing the ball. I, I, I've watched that play over and over and over, and I cannot tell you. Obviously, Shane Lee punched the ball out, but what Garantano was thinking, uh, Jeremy Pruitt rightfully grabbed his face mask and you know told him to get your head in the game, whatever he told him. Um, and, and also, another point, to anyone thinking that, that Jeremy Pruitt grabbing his face mask is a big deal, get over yourself. That's not a big deal. That's sports. That's life. You don't grab, you know, someone's helmet just to be mean. Like he's sending a message. He's his coach. He has that authority. So if you're offended by that, get, get, get choose something else. I mean that that is just that's getting mad over something like that to me is a waste of time. Jeremy Pruitt is his coach. He has full right to do that to get his attention back in the game. He made a crucial mistake where Tennessee could have been right back in the game and. He let his team down. He let his coach down, and you can't do that um, if you're in that position. Just, just brutal. But Alabama moves on to play Arkansas. As I, as I was talking to Rodney a little bit, I mentioned uh, Arkansas just overall as a team two and five on the season, zero and four in the SEC. They're zero and two on the road as well, and they've lost their last four games. So Arkansas really doesn't have much coming, um, much going for them. Coming into this game, into Tuscaloosa Saturday night at 6 o'clock on ESPN, um, Alabama looks like the Tide will have to have uh, a great game plan ready for Mac Jones and getting the offense moving. But like I was talking to Rodney, everything kind of looks to be in sync right now in terms of the special teams and uh, Ty Piran really shining right now. Um, offense is clicking. Offensive line is clicking. The run game has kind of found its um, purpose and Najee Harris uh, really coming on strong with another 100-yard game. Um, so Alabama really, really, really playing well right now. And now that we've hit on Alabama football, we're going to move on to Alabama basketball before we get to some Twitter questions. Um, the Crimson Tide basketball team, the men's basketball team under Nate Oates begins its season in just 13 days. And I could not be more fired up. The game, November 5th, inside Coleman Coliseum, season opener. Cannot wait. Alabama's also got a scrimmage coming up October 27th, this Sunday at noon against Georgia Tech. Um, really excited to just kind of see how this team is forming, how it's going to gel, what it's going to be like. And obviously, the team we're going to see in November is not the team we're going to see in January or February. And so there's no need to freak out if there's any you know, early season mishaps or whatever. Obviously, the Tide has had injuries. We've talked about that. A um, couple guys going out, Jawan Gary, James Rojas. Um, obviously, Beetle Bolden is not 100% yet. Um, he's getting there. We know that. And, of course, Javon Quinterly uh, waiting on that eligibility waiver to be granted from the NCAA. They've granted more and more um, every single day in the past past few days, past week. So Alabama is waiting to hear um, back from the NCAA for Javon Quinterly's eligibility. It's funny, he tweeted yesterday on Tuesday, a big let's go, and uh, didn't think about the ramifications of his tweet. He was he was apparently reportedly on uh, some DaBaby vibes, listening to some, some hip-hop music walking around campus, getting excited, you know, season's upcoming. He was having a great day. It was a beautiful day in Tuscaloosa. Javon Quinterly's having a great day, tweets let's go, and uh, didn't quite think about the fact that people might think that that was him saying he's eligible. Uh, so a little bit of a, an alarming situation, a little kind of attention grabber yesterday afternoon, if you will. So that happened, but he is not eligible yet. He was just 
jamming out, having having a good vibe, good day, a great Tuesday. Hey, I'm happy for JQ. If Jelly's having a great day, I'm having a great day because Roll Tide, that's what we're all about here in Tuscaloosa. Um, the recent scrimmage against Jacksonville State, Alabama played and uh, a secret scrimmage and the stats got out. For, there was, it was The game was this Sunday and uh, it, was, it was really really fascinating to kind of look at that stat line and see what Alabama was able to do. The Crimson Tide defeated Jacksonville State 90-81 to in that scrimmage, and a couple things that stand out to me, um, just looking at the stat sheet, because that's really all we have to go on, Kyra Lewis played 39 minutes. 39 minutes. That's insane. He was 8 for 16 from the field, 5 of 7 from free throw, and totaled 21 points for the Tide. He led John Petty and Herbert Jones had 17 points apiece. And overall, Alabama was up 44-36 at half, and of course finished off the game with an 80 to um, 90 to 81 win. But they're playing fast. Obviously, if you're scoring 90 points a game, and I don't know how official it was the scrimmage, you know, if there were refs or whatever. Um, but there's a stat chart and a stat sheet, and it got out there and. Uh, Seeing what some of these guys did, you know, Jalen Forbes, 6-for-6 six six from the free throw line. Overall, Alabama, 29-43 of 43 from the charity stripe. And so all these different things, you look at this stat sheet, and it, it's, it's pretty impressive. You know, it's obviously much more impressive than the last time they played against Norfolk State. Obviously a completely different team, different, different year, um, really an, an entire different program almost. Um, uh, Javian Davis had 10 rebounds. That's impressive. Obviously, that stands out a good bit. Um, Alex Reese with a solid three blocks. He had six points and three rebounds as well, playing 19 minutes. Also got a steal in there, Um, shooting the ball two of five from beyond the arc. So no points in the paint for Reese, but he did knock down two from deep. I'm really excited to see how Nate Oates uses him in this year's system um, with just trying to play small ball and go fast. I think Reese is going to get a lot of attention. Really excited for the year that he's going to have as well as Herbert Jones. Rumor has it that Kyra Lewis hurt his hand, not badly, but but bad enough. Um, Bad enough to bother him and tell somebody about it in the Tide tip-off in the dunk contest. Just And it wasn't bad, but he, uh, according to a source, was trying to dunk and then hurt it a little bit. But obviously, if he's putting up two days later the numbers that he did with, with 21 points and playing 39 minutes, uh, that's not really a concern. So... Kyra Lewis doing just fine. You know, it was funny. Nate Oates said in his media availability after Tide Tip-Off, he got he sat down said, you know, it was, it was a good night, good atmosphere, happy to have everybody fired up, whatever. And uh, But he said he's not a, a fan of these type of events. And I thought that was really interesting because he said he'd rather have an opponent out there, somebody of a different jersey, and um, he'd rather keep score. Uh, <laughs> he's all about having fans excited for Alabama basketball, but he is a, he is a team first, players first coach, wants the best for these guys and he wants them to play and he wants them to play hard and he's all business when it comes to basketball and I love that and uh, fired up to see him coach so uh, that's just a couple thoughts on Alabama basketball I had regarding tie tip off Javon Quinterly's eligibility and uh, talking about the upcoming scrimmage versus Georgia Tech that is Sunday at noon the women follow at 2.30 inside Coleman Coliseum and then kind of a look at the recent scrimmage against Jacksonville State. So now we turn our attention to Twitter. Um, Didn't have too many responses this week, um, but kind of talking about uh, 
what different people wanted to hear about. Shane Doral asked about Trayvon Diggs. Obviously, an incredible game. Looking back at going back to football now, um, had a great game. It was really, really fun. I mean, just over the course of the season has grown so much. Um, and then also a couple other other questions. A lot of Tua talk. Obviously, we've looked at Tua. We've talked about Mac Jones, but the, the Talia talk as well. He will, Talia Tungavalo will be Mac Jones's backup this week, and a lot of people are wondering uh, what, why isn't he getting his shot? What's the deal here? Well, it, it seems to me pretty set in stone that when you look at this Alabama football team, the coaches know who they've wanted for a while as the backup, and they've made it pretty clear that it's been Mac Jones getting getting. I don't want to say the significant minutes, but the significant backup minutes behind Tua and then Talia has come in only when it's a blowout um, and it's not even an if necessary situation. I mean, Mac Jones comes in as the backup. He comes in as backup holder as well. And uh, with just with the experience, obviously we know Coach Saban is is big on experience and it's not that he doesn't trust Talia. Um, I just think being in the program longer and having proven himself and knowing the situation, being comfortable uh, at this level, I think Mac Jones is, is definitely the go-to guy. And and I haven't seen Talia since fall practice, since I've, I've went a couple months ago. But um, he's he's obviously had a really good game against Duke. And the, I mean, he only handed the ball off, but his first touch, you know, involved the touchdown and um, seems to be doing really well. And so I'm sure we might get to see some Talia this weekend. And... Uh, but you can never know. And, and and Mac Jones is the guy for the job. The players have said in media availability this week that he's their guy, and they're excited about that. And so with Talia, we're just going to have to see if he gets any reps, if Mac Jones needs a breather. I mean, he won't. He's going to be ready to go, so not too concerned there. So just a couple look at some Twitter questions. And recapping the Galloway podcast this week, we're going to kind of Head towards the finish line here. Um, not too much else to talk about. Obviously, the NBA is underway. The World Series is underway. That has been fun to keep up with. Um, I know my Braves aren't in it, but the Astros and the Nationals really making up for good series. Game one last night was really fun to watch with the Nationals pulling it out in Houston. Um it was a beautiful night. Watch it on your porch, whatever you did. And the Nationals played really well. They had their bats going early. Um, Astros did as had their bats going early as well. Couldn't quite catch up late in the game. Um, but definitely going to be keeping an eye on the Astros and the Nationals. Uh, LeBron James and the Lakers fell to the Clippers last night, 112-102. to Kawhi Leonard just looks like a beast out there. I mean, nobody is stopping that guy this year. I mean, LeBron... Year 17, he's doing things that only LeBron can do, right? But he's also 17 years into the league, and he's showing not a lot of age, but he's not the LeBron he was 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, and I, that's that's obvious because if you're 17 years into the league, you're going to need your rest. It's a long season. It was only game one. Um, but that Lakers-Clippers game was fun to watch. Obviously, the news on Zion being out for six to eight weeks is unfortunate. We want to see him play as much as possible in New Orleans. Um, But we'll be watching NBA kind of as the college football season um, progresses. It'll be something. I mean, right now it's one of the best times of the year. You've got the World Series on. You've got college football on. uh, You've got college basketball around the corner. 
um, and just just all all the mega sports at this end of October, early November time are coming together. And so it's one of the best uh, TV viewing sporting experiences you can have as a sports fan. So definitely going to be keeping a watch and an eye on all the major sports going on right now. That's an update from the Galloway Podcast, episode 26 on Wednesday, October 23rd. Reminder, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Check us out on all three of those platforms. Share it on your social media. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. If you're interested in buying a koozie, a black koozie with the logo on it printed in white, let me know. Galloway Podcast hats are also available for sale. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.